Welcome to Morning Report Top Stories, a selection of news from RNZ's morning news programme. We, of course, uh, have a busy uh, programme this morning looking at issues around Waitangi and the government's uh, arrival here at around 11am this morning. That is when we are expecting them to come on to the treaty, the upper treaty grounds. Now, opposition parties and other iwi, of course, were welcomed over the weekend. Uh, to Party Māori was welcomed separately to Labour and the Greens, which is interesting, saying it is joining forces with other mana motahaki-led groups, such as the Kingitanga, uh, to stand in unity against the coalition government, which they're calling a three-headed taniwha. To Party Māori co-leader Debbie Narewapaka says people are angry. They are incensed by this three-headed taniwha. Mm. And you've heard the kōrero laid down at Ratana, you've heard the kōrero laid down by our kingitanga, and we're here to wakamana tērā kōrero. And people here are aware too, and weary, of the Prime Minister's arrival. Honest truth, don't like the Prime Minister. Don't like Christopher Lutzen. I think everyone don't like him because he's trying to take away our Māori tanga. I think there might be an argument tomorrow on Waitangi Day. Not much people like him over here. We're in wrong hands. Yeah. Well, we're joined in Waitangi now by the Minister for Māori Development Nationals, Tama Pōtaka Tenakwe. Thank you for coming on to the programme. Kia ora, Karen, and it's a beautiful day here in uh, Waitangi in the Bay of Islands. It certainly is. A day, a big day for you and your coalition government. Uh, you will have seen the events over the weekend. There is a resolve amongst Māori across the board here uh, of dissatisfaction and unhappiness with what your government is proposing. What are you expecting today then? I think one of the biggest things to recognise, uh, Corinne, is that there's been real dissatisfaction around the outcomes for Māori, especially across health, education and housing over many, many years, in fact decades. And those uh, concerns and those whakaro and those kareāroto or emotions are really... Uh, playing out and being evoked in different ways. Uh, sure, there is some concern around some of the opposition's, uh, some of the uh, government's direction of travel, but we're really focused on delivering on the needs and it's the outcomes It's pretty clear, though, isn't it, that what the, the, the number one thing, the message that's coming through is do not touch te tiriti. That is what the message is, isn't it? I think there are a number of messages, and we were here on Friday visiting the National Iwi Chairs Forum, uh, and we got those messages very directly as well. And what is your response? I mean, what assurance, again, can you offer them that, that you're not going to touch it? Oh, I think it's been very clear that we recognise Te Tiriti Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, as the foundational document of our country, New Zealand. Past, present and future, it has meaning, it has effect, and uh, we continue to hold fast to that. One of the interesting things, talking to Makari Mutu uh, just earlier, there is a willingness and an appetite to have a debate about the future for New Zealand in terms of the constitution and the role of the treaty and where that sits. But there is a feeling that the way in which your government and Act, in particular with its pr- treaty principles bill, has gone about it, has not been in good faith and that, that Māori will not tolerate that. Are you open to trying to do it in a different way? I think what the coalition government was formed around a commitment to see a treaty principles bill drafted by Act uh, taken through first reading and to the select committee. But there are a number of uh, items and matters regarding the treaty, te reo and other things that were very uh, committed to and what we recognise is that there's really uh, an opportunity for healthy debate on a number of matters, particularly uh, those outcomes that continue to create disproportionate 
uh, effects for Māori communities and many communities up and down the motu. But would you give a mechanism to that? I mean, we know that the Waitangi Tribunal, for example, is having its own constitutional investigation, and Shane Jones has indicated he's not happy about that. Are you comfortable with that process, or would you be open to some other way of exploring these issues, which there's clearly an appetite for across the country? Yeah, I think we have to be uh, careful that we don't... uh you know, through the PP out with the bathwater, what we're doing is going through a number of processes, including uh, engagement, formal and informal engagement with the national iwi chairs from and iwi on their individual basis, and we'll continue to do that. And to Tiriti of Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, as we've described, is a sacrosanct document that we continue to hold fast to. There's no way that uh, the national-led government is able to change the words of the treaty. It stands for itself. Do you have any problem with the Waitangi Tribunal looking and having a constitutional investigation? Well, there's a process that's in place. It's a statutory process, and that's been followed by those claim, uh, by, by those uh, uh, folks who run the tribunal. They're undertaking a kaupapa inquiry, as they have with housing, particularly Māori housing, health, and other matters. So it should be left to do its thing, and Shane Jones should, should back off? Well, no, there's a process that's in place, and that's set up through statute. And... Uh, People who are making claims, for example, on the Māori Health Authority, have followed that process, and uh, I respect people following the processes that are in place. Your leader has said he wants to honour the treaty. He's also indicated he agrees with the, the principle that has evolved, that it is akin to a partnership. If that is the case, how will you do that? How will you honour the treaty, bearing in mind that principle of partnership? What are the ways in which you will do that? Yeah, well, we continue to do that now as we engage with the National Iwi Chairs Forum with different iwi groups throughout the country and actually Māori communities. Uh, so I think it's uh, very clear to me that this national-led government, uh, coalition government, is actively honouring the treaty on a daily basis. But now, what, they're, give they're, me some specifics about how you will honour it well, in that way, yeah. in a partnership way. Yeah, uh, for example... Uh, the Minister of Treaty of Waitangi Negotiations has been travelling throughout the Motu over the last three or four weeks to engage with different area groups, particularly those who have unresolved claims. Uh, that's something that the national government under Jim Bolger started 30-odd years ago, and it's something that we intend and are committed to uh, completing in a material way, in a respectful way, and in a way that helps and gives total to iwi who are unsettled. What about participation and the ability for Māori to have a say? And we're seeing some, obviously, repeals with uh, local governments around the ability for referendums. Uh, there's the Naitahu uh, seats. What about honouring the treaty in terms of participation? Yeah, I think what we've seen with the uh, initial work done around the fast-track consenting bill, uh, the Minister of uh, RMA, Minister Bishop, uh, along with other ministers of the cabinet, have been very focused on making sure that they engage with iwi. We engage with iwi as the coalition government, and then there is that pathway to ensure that not only treaty settlements are upheld, but those obligations that come through to Tiriti or Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, are pursued and given optimal expression. Well, Minister, we're hearing the music blaring from just behind us, which is where the uh, you'll be walking on, uh, what, in about three or four hours, 11 o'clock this morning. People are obviously testing out the sound system, it sounds like. Um, h- how are you feeling about that process of walking on? It, it is likely that you are going to receive a very robust welcome. We've heard all sorts of metaphors and rhetoric from the pie over the last... 24, 48 hours, spiders, lion's den, three-headed tanifa. Do you know what you're walking into? I'm very, very comfortable uh, that the renowned Manaki Tanga 
uh, of Te Tai Tokoro will be given its fullest expression today. And uh, after going to Pōhiri, many Pōhiri, thousands of Pōhiri over the last 48 years of my life, I've uh, really experienced uh, the highs and the lows of the weather at different Pōhiri, but also the emotions at different Pōhiri. But my sense of the occasion is that this is a kotahitanga moment uh, in our history and history. And uh, the people of Te Tai uh, the people of Ngāpui, Nui Tonu, will ensure that that kotahitanga-centric moment is continued. So you are saying you expect there will be a fair welcome. It will be robust, but it'll be, it, it will be fair. It, it won't get ugly. I expect that there will be a, a, uh, a welcome that is wrapped in kotahitanga, uh, rangi marie and rongomau. Kia ora. Well, thank you very much for joining us uh, this morning. That is uh, Nationals Tama Pōtaka, who is the Minister for Māori Development. A very big day ahead, of course, for the coalition uh, government. And we'll talk now to the Waitangi National Trust uh, Board Chair, uh, Peter Tippany, who can tell us a little bit more about what's going on. Perhaps he can tell uh, the, the guys over there to turn yeah, the music yeah, yeah, out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kia ora, good morning and welcome to you. Uh, this is a very big day. This is a, this is a Waitangi with a different feel about it. It, it feels big. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, certainly there's a lot of tension in the air. Uh, and it's going to be really uh, a poignant moment as we approach 2040. It's still a long way away, but we really have to look out that far because things are right in front of us now. Sometimes it can get a, a really noisy and busy, but we've really got to be clear about what Te Tiriti o Waitangi meant, what it means today and what it will mean in the future. I find that really interesting. There is obviously a huge pushback against David Seymour's Treaty Principles Bill as it is written but, but what I also sense is that there is a real appetite amongst Māori and many others to have that discussion about what, as you say, that constitutional discussion. So how do, does New Zealand do that in a way where everyone feels as though they have agency and, and it is in good faith? Well, certainly we have a government that's been elected who have decided to take a particular course uh, through a coalition agreement. It doesn't seem that all of the coalition partners are totally agreed on that, uh, but nonetheless we do have what we have, uh, and it's up to that government to start articulating uh, how it will give effect to its own 100-day uh, plan, in this case the Treaty Principles Bill, uh, but I start articulating a clearer vision moving forward. What do you expect to hear today? I mean, what do you want to hear today from the government when they come on? I think that's exactly what we want to hear about what... Te Tiriti o Waitangi was a promise. It was signed by my tupuna and a whole lot of other ancestors, uh, and certainly people like me want to see that promise upheld. We don't think it was uh, any insignificant thing that our ancestor put his... Uh, um, marker on, on, a, on a parchment that was a promise, a contract, and we want to see it upheld. So I want to see how the government intend to make to uphold it now, um, but let's give ourselves a bit of a plan moving forward because we're not going to solve everything today or tomorrow. What, I'm interested too in what that idea of honouring the treaty means because there's a lot of components. So in terms of dealing with... Um, housing and various other economic elements where there are disparities that need to be addressed, uh, but also in terms of the participation element. How does that part of it get addressed whilst 
maintaining the sort of the uh, the system of government, the democracy the, that we have? How, how do we navigate that part? And what do you want to hear in that part? Well, certainly we here, Ngāti Hine and the tribe that I belong to, uh, we prosecuted the case to the Waitangi Tribunal about He Whakaputanga 1835, Te Tiriti of Waitangi 1840, and we're clear that the government was set up to look after Pākehā people. Māori retained their rangatiratanga. So there are two spheres, Article 1 and 2, and so Kawanatanga government cannot just unilaterally go out and make laws and 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 anything else without talking to the partner. In this case, the Treaty Principles Bill was put on the table. Nobody talked to Māori. So if you want an example, have a talk first before you start going out to the nation. So when David Seymour argues, and he argues again forcefully in the New Zealand Herald this morning, I think, in an opinion piece, that Tinaranga Tiratanga, why, he, he says, why wouldn't this apply to all New Zealanders? What's the response there? Well, David Seymour is basing his uh, rhetoric on democracy as it applies around the world. We have our own unique kind of democracy, and we need to start uh, crafting what democracy means to Aotearoa New Zealand right now and into the future. Because it's not the same as any other democracy. And and what is the, what would be the forum that you would think could work for that discussion as we move to 2040, towards 2040? Look, the, pe- the people here, the Māori people, are expressing themselves, their anger, their frustration, and they really need to express it in a controlled way. And that's what I'm hoping will happen today, tomorrow, and into the near future. So we need uh, forums where our people can get down and express themselves. Good example, Waitangi Tribunal, independent inquiry, Crown lays down theirs, talk, Māori lay down theirs, and people can talk with each other in a civil way and be heard. That is one example. If it's not that, it needs to be something similar. But you'd be aware that Shane Jones obviously argues that the tribunal has overstepped its mark and he doesn't believe that it should be entering into that sphere. Uh, well, certainly I'm one who, d- who doesn't agree with that. And uh, I'm talking here as a Ngāti Hine, not as the chair sure. of the Waitangi National Trust, is that the people of Ngāti Hine uh, will express their rangatiratanga and... Anybody who is trying to undermine that, in this case, uh, politicians, who, let's look at the people behind the politicians and not the politicians themselves, because you have uh, Hobson's Pledge and others who are driving an agenda. Some of these people financially support political parties and they expect political rhetoric that uh, upholds their view of the world. So let, let, let's start looking at this in its entirety. They presumably have that right, though, in a democracy to make that case, to argue. I mean, we saw over the weekend uh, the, the publication, I think, of, of Sir Aparananata's 1922 uh, arguments around the, that the sovereignty wasn't ceded. And what, is there any harm in put, putting that? Do you have any objection to that being released? Well, no, there's no harm in people expressing themselves from any corner. But let's be clear and let's come out with it instead of trying to dress it up to be something else. Well, kia ora, thank you very much. I mean, you must be expect- just finally, I mean, you must be expecting uh, or hoping everything it will be robust, but that everything will be calm and peaceful today. Uh, c- certainly the leaders of the Hikoi and other people who are providing leadership roles, we respect, we have very good relationships with them. 
but I think it's uh, the people who uh, are, are not aligned to any particular kaupapa. Uh, we're expecting things to run smoothly, but I'm always expecting the unexpected. Well, that is true. Uh, that is something I've learned over at Waitangi myself over the years. So, uh, kia ora. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. That is Waitangi National Trust Board Chair uh, Peter Tippany. The Canterbury fire, though, spanning at least 80 hectares, is expected to get worse before it gets better. That is uh, this morning due to some strong winds forecast. Incident controller Graham Knight told Morning Report firefighters weren't able to contain the Kirwi fire overnight. It broke out near the Waimakariri River. We've got seven aircraft coming in shortly to start attacking it. Eight ground crews coming in to support them as well this morning. We've got... Strong northwest winds coming 30 degrees, low RH, so we will have increased fire activity later in the morning. Uh, we're dealing with uh, riverbed flats, farmland flats and uh, forest blocks within the river area. Now the cause of the fire remains under investigation at this stage. Selwyn District Emergency Management says about nine properties were evacuated by police last night. They were on Old West Coast Road and a community meeting is scheduled for 11 o'clock this morning in the Kiwi Community Hall for those affected. Fens is advising locals to keep their windows and doors closed to minimise exposure to smoke from the blaze. Our reporter Neva Chittick is there now and joins us. Kia ora. Good morning, Neva. Um, where are you? What can you see from where you are? Morena, Ingrid, I'm here on Old West Coast Road at the closure with Courtney Road. I'm looking back towards the township of Kirwi and all you can see on the horizon is thick grey smoke. A couple of helicopters have flown past in the last few minutes with monsoon buckets hanging from them and the smell is just overwhelmingly of wood smoke. It sort of hit as I was driving west out of Christchurch on State Highway 76 this morning and it's just sort of got stronger and stronger the closer I've gotten and the fire appears as sort of like a dirty smudge on the horizon as you drive out of town. You've been at the evacuation centre have you? Yes, I was there this morning and officials say four people stayed there overnight, but they're unclear as to the total number of people evacuated. You mentioned there earlier that nine properties were evacuated by police, but fire and emergency say many others left voluntarily, so they're not entirely sure of those complete numbers. Mm. What did, did you get a chance to speak with those locals, and if so, what did they tell you? I haven't had a chance to speak with anyone yet. It was pretty quiet so far this morning and the weather's been pretty calm and clear so the vibe that I tend to be getting is people are preparing for it to worsen later today. And just confirming there was a change of shift this morning with the uh, efforts, you know, the firefighting efforts. You can see helicopters in the air because that was one of the, uh, the new uh, ways of fighting it that was going to be introduced this morning. Yes, so I'm also standing at this intersection where there is a road down to the Waimakariri River and that riverbed is where the fire is currently raging. It's quite a contrast. You can see sort of irrigation systems set up on farmland that are spraying this morning and then in behind them these helicopters are coming with monsoon buckets. They're sort of flying along what appears to be a piece of woodland out near the river. Okay, thank you very much for that. That was Neva Chittick uh, at the scene of the Kirwi fire in Canterbury overnight. And a meeting is due to be held at 11 o'clock this morning where locals will get briefed on the latest there, but where the conditions are not looking favourable for fighting that fire, which is now covering about 80 hectares.
Well, a journalist with experience of war zones says New Zealand may already be actively involved in US and UK-led strikes on Houthi-controlled parts of Yemen. The US Secretary of Defence confirmed in a statement on Sunday that coalition strikes took place on 13 sites in response to interference with shipping in the Red Sea. It said these strikes were done, quote, with the support of other nations, that includes New Zealand. New Zealand's Defence Force declined to provide any further details. In a statement, Minister of Defence Judith Collins said the US and UK have carried out these strikes. New Zealand is part of the coalition that supports this action. She declined our invitation to come on the programme. We are joined now by journalist John Stevenson. Kia ora, good morning, John. Uh, Not a lot of detail from our government about what our Defence Force personnel are actually doing. What information do you have in that regard? Yes, good morning. About a fortnight ago, or perhaps 10 days, I received information from a long-standing and trustworthy source that the uh, deployment of New Zealand forces to um, the anti-Houthi coalition uh, had already begun. Uh, as I understood it from my source, there was, in fact, um, at least one member, the commander of the uh, contingent, who's a... Uh, senior SAS officer already in theatre at that time and I understood that the contingent was likely to follow shortly thereafter. Do you know where they are based? I don't and neither did my source but what I was told was it would either be on a major base in the region or possibly on one of the ships that is part of the um, coalition which is um, perhaps something like an aircraft carrier from which a lot of these uh, um, airstrikes on the Houthis are being launched. The makeup of that contingent with a member of the SAS um, as a commander, what does that tell us about what the personnel will actually be doing there? Well, I think the makeup of the team is not uh, likely to be uh, active operators from the SAS who have a tradition in their traditional role. Uh, go in on the ground and undertake operations. It's more likely, in my view, to be um, intelligence operators that are being led by uh, an SAS officer, in this case a a senior officer, a very capable officer from what I've told, well-known in the unit, and someone who's likely to, uh, or potentially going to be a um, commanding officer at the SAS in the future. I think the fact that it's being led by a senior special forces officer indicates the nature of the work that they'll be doing, not dissimilar to some of the work that was done perhaps when we were part of the anti-ISIS coalition that was based uh, in El Udaid Air Force Base in Qatar, working with the Americans and other uh, coalition allies to uh, target ISIS targets in in Iraq and Syria. So we've been given assurances that no New Zealand Defence Force personnel will enter Yemen, so effectively at arm's length from the actual conflict. Does that make any difference, or are we still, because we're involved in in the high-level intelligence leading up to um, to any strikes, that, you know, is there a difference there? Well, there is a difference, and I think we have to take the government at at its word based on what we know and based on what I was told by my source, who also said that, to the best of their knowledge, we wouldn't have operators on the ground in Yemen uh, pulling the trigger, so to speak. But 
and so you you wouldn't expect um, them to be doing so. Sending if they were sending a team of only half a dozen personnel, that that to me suggests strongly that it is in fact, as the government said, people who will be you know, conducting targeting uh, work. Um, nevertheless, we we will definitely still be part of what's referred to as the kill chain. In other words, the people that conduct the airstrikes or or targeting uh, on the ground or from from the air will be relying on information that's being provided. Um, by people like the SAS-led team of New Zealanders. Appreciate your time this morning. That was uh, well, Defence and, and War, um, a, a journalist with Defence and War experience, John Stevenson. Well, a leading Māori uh, academic says the history of Te Tiriti o Waitangi needs to be better understood. Many letterboxes throughout the country received copies of Sir Aparananata's explanation of the treaty, printed and distributed by right-wing think tank the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters uh, has uh, brandished copies of uh, Sir Aparananata's account on several occasions, including uh, televised uh, election campaign last year, in fact. Uh, with us now is Carwin Jones, that uh, the academic I mentioned. Uh, kia ora and good morning to you. Atamaria. What do you make of that uh, campaign, I guess, to publish that document? In it, essentially, uh, there is the argument that, what, sovereignty was never ceded? So what Ngata talks about is he, he describes it actually as a, as a complete session, but I think that that misrepresents the situation. Um, and I think we need to understand that when we're talking about any information around Tetriti or around anything really, we need to understand the context and we need to think about what, what are the things that other people say. We don't just take one person's point of view. You know, even even Apirana he's just one person. You know, we acknowledge the mana that he has, but in terms of um, the way we think about and understand and talk about Tetriti, we've had a hundred more years since since Ngata produced his document of uh, of that discussion and of understanding more about the context of the signing. And what is the general view that? Exactly, and I think that's the the vast majority of of scholarship and the research when we look at the accounts um, from the signing um, it's quite clear to me that the intent of of those entering into Te Tiriti of the rangatira entering into Te Tiriti were not giving away their own authority um, over their own communities by um, granting this authority of kāwanatanga to the Crown, but rather they were granting an authority to the Crown to manage British subjects who were here in Aotearoa. Right. So if that is the way Māori, and we've seen a unified voice for Māori over the last week or two, feel, and, and what then is the process forward if you were to have a discussion, a about uh, constitution and, uh, I guess, ensuring the treaty is doing what it's supposed to do by 2040. What would be the forum for that? Yeah, well, I think what what we do need to do is we need to have a lot more conversation because, uh, you know, we're, we've Maori for a long time have have been wanting to have this discussion, um, have been trying to share the information um, and have that conversation, and it's really. Um, only recently that uh, we've started to see that conversation disseminating more more widely. But it's important that that conversation needs to be grounded in good information um, and thinking about and understanding not just cherry-picking uh, particular lines that one person might have said, but understanding uh, the, the broad sweep of, of the discussion that's been taking place for 184 years. 
if there seems to be consensus, ACT certainly doesn't believe that the treaty is a partnership, but if we take nationalists certainly express that they do, Labour do, uh, academics, uh, the courts have generally come to this view of, of a key principle being akin to a partnership. Is it a 50-50 partnership? And if it is, how does that square, how does that fit with a liberal democracy in the one vote, one person idea, which you know David Seymour and some others in New Zealand First have argued it doesn't? Hmm. So what, when we look at Te Tiriti, um, I, I think Peter Tipene has already talked a little bit about this this morning. When we look at Te Tiriti, we see these two spheres of authority being set up, Kawanatanga and Tinoranga Tiratanga. And when you have those two spheres of authority operating in the same space, well, that, of course, re- requires some kind of partnership. Now, the exact terms of what that partnership looks like aren't detailed in Te Tiriti, but, but we are in processes of working through and having conversations about what that looks like. That will look different in different kinds of situations. Okay, tell me about more about this idea of spheres. This came up with a constitutional inquiry, I think, that Margaret Mutu did a few years back, or was part of. So so what would those spheres look like? And, and would there be some spheres where Māori had tino ranga tiratanga over what they were doing, and there are other spheres where it might be 50-50, and there are other spheres where it might be less? Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. So so what, what we see, is, and you're right that it, um, it's the language that's used in the Matakia Mai Aotearoa report, which was the constitutional review led by Margaret Mutu and Wainer Jackson, but it's also the language that the Waitangi Tribunal has used to talk about this. And so it, it does mean that there will be some things where tinoranga tiratanga is uh, the c- kind of controlling interest. Um, there'll be other things where kawanatanga might have the say, and um, there'll be other areas where we're working in that relational space. And that, that's sometimes probably the most tricky space to work through and figure out what that relationship looks like. Well, that's an interesting place to leave it. Thank you very much for that, Carwin Jones, the leading Māori academic. You've been listening to Morning Report Top Stories.